Sociocast presents coverage of the 2019 election for the presidency and vice presidency of the American Sociological Association. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College. To give voters a better sense of the candidates, we asked the four major office candidates to answer seven questions about the discipline, the association, and their vision for both. To hear the other candidates, visit www.sociocast.org slash ASA2019. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Okay, we're here with Rachel Salazar Pareñas, a professor of sociology and gender studies at the University of Southern California in Dornsife College. She is a vice presidential candidate for the American Sociological Association. Uh, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for um, giving me this opportunity to talk about my work today. Could you please begin by uh, telling us a bit about your work? So I am a qualitative sociologist um, who has primarily done research concerning women's uh, labor migration um, in economic globalization. And so I'm situated in um, various subfields in sociology um, that would be uh, labor, gender, international migration, um, sexuality, and economic sociology. So empirically, I have primarily focused on um, labor migration from the Philippines, um, particularly of women, uh, as they constitute um, one of the largest uh, flows of labor migration in the world today. And they are primarily uh, leaving to become domestic workers all over the world, actually, to more than 100 countries, but they are primarily concentrated um, in uh, the region we uh, call the Middle East. So I have um, been doing this work for um, nearly two decades, and um, my first set of research uh, looked at migrant domestic workers, primarily in Western countries. And then I looked, and one of the biggest findings I had early in my career was that Many of them are mothers, these domestic workers, and then they leave their children behind in the country of origin. And so then um, I did a follow-up study looking at um, how gender shapes um, the lives of the children who are left behind, particularly like what are gender relations, um, what is the household division of labor when um, in transnational families when a mother leaves or a father leaves uh, to be a migrant worker somewhere um, or when both parents leave. And then since then, I've turn to looking at um, the question of human trafficking because labor migrants are you know, those most vulnerable um, to being trafficked. And so I've looked at two groups that have been identified as trafficked persons by the U.S. Department of State, and that first are Filipino migrant hostesses in Japan, and then my current project looks at Southeast Asian migrant domestic workers in the United Arab Emirates. In your opinion, what do sociologists do? What's our role in society? What's the purpose of our profession? This is going to sound so obvious, you know, but I do think so of sociologists as, you know, intel, quote unquote, intellectuals who help us better understand social interactions and how these social interactions are shaped by larger structural forces that, you know, go beyond or what you see in your like everyday life. And so I do think, you know, that we have a very important role in society that I think 
when people sort of, I mean, I think one of our biggest roles in society is to bring to the forefront how there are these larger, you know, structural systems and, you know, factors that shape uh, people's lives, you know, that go outside or beyond individual will. And then I think non-sociologists just look at people, right, like independent of any kind of structural force, that everything is just done by like will, meritocracy, um, and people don't take into account like, you know, how people have different opportunities. Why do people have different opportunities? What do these different opportunities then like do to what are the impacts of these different opportunities to people? Yeah. So I think, you know, that's what our main job, one of our main jobs is. In your view, what's the ASA's job? Whom does it serve and what does it do? What's its role in the discipline? So I do think that, um, the ASA is a very important institution because, um, you know, that brings us together, sociologists together um, once a year. Um, I, you know, so when I think of the ASA, I primarily think of the meeting that we have in August. And I think of that uh, meeting as, you know, a, a place where I, it's a great place for learning, like from other people in terms of looking at what our colleagues have identified as really important, pressing social issues. So I see, you know, the meeting that ASA puts together as a really important learning place for me. Um, But I also see ASA as an organization that represents us um, when there are important, you know, social issues um, that affect particularly American society, right? Um, when there are um, sort of huge, you know, so like I, I appreciate it when um, the president, for example, uh, will release a statement on behalf of the membership uh, about some, you know, political or social issue that is, you know, kind of important to us. What is your sense of the biggest issues facing our discipline? Do you have ideas about how to engage them? Um, so in terms of the biggest issues facing our discipline, I think that there is this question of um, legitimacy vis-a-vis like the public where, you know, sociologists are, you know, dismissed as like biased liberals. And so I think that that um, stereotype of college professors that, you know, right, the right wing media like puts out there, I think directed to um, sociologists and delegitimizes our work. And so I think that's one pressing issue. And so then I think, you know, to address that issue, it's that's why it's really important that sociologists do what they do and do it well, which is that we uh, don't just, you know, make claims based on our opinions, but that the claims we make are often substantiated by um, very um, rigorous, like uh, by data that we collected um, using very rigorous methods. So I think it's like really important that we uh, continue to do that so that when we do make claims, we are like very confident about them and that we know we can't really be dismissed as just these like, you know, liberals who are, um, you know, just like making claims based on their um, opinions. And so that's like one problem that I think um, we face in our discipline. 
Um, and then a, a second one that, you know, doesn't really affect me because I'm in a department that's, you know, we nicely coexist, but uh, people feel in this discipline, in turn, so now this is the internal issue, which is like this conflict between quantitative versus qualitative and, you know, what is more legitimate or not. But um, I, to be honest, I know that that's, you know, an issue, but to be honest, it, at USC, this has not been much of an issue for us and that we really have mutual respect for each other and um, look at each other's um, methods as, you know, necessary to provide a holistic picture of the social issues we are addressing. I solicited uh, questions from colleagues who okay. uh, interact, who I interact with on uh, social media and here are three that were uh, chosen for this election. So here's the first question from uh, colleagues. Uh, if you are elected, what goals will motivate your vice presidency? What will be distinct about the ASA under your guidance? One of my goals is to internationalize um, our discipline, not just like from the membership, from the basis of membership, but also just really foregrounding works that look at sociology, sociological issues more at a global stage. And so really trying to figure out how we can promote students and, you know, our colleagues doing, you know, our faculty doing more um, like international based um, research and looking at how, um, you know, a lot of U.S. based works how we could look at those from a different lens if we take into account um, experiences that occur outside of this country. Um, another uh, priority of mine is to help make the ASA meetings a more welcoming place for underrepresented scholars. And um, you know, I speak as um, someone who um, has uh, been strongly committed to, um, ex you know, it, working towards um, diversifying um, higher education. And I've done that um, primarily through my work as a liaison for the Ford um, Fellowship Program, which, uh, you know, has that mission. And so I've been a liaison for them since uh, 2007. Do you think the uh, claims of a divide in sociology between the dispassionate empiricists and uh, activism, do you think it's accurate or do you think it's overstated? And do you think that talking about this divide is generative and productive or is it divisive? And uh, what will you do to make everyone feel more represented within the Big Ten? Okay. I think of this divide between this passionate empiricism and activism is actually, um, it's not, you could make that argument, but it's not a productive argument to be made. I really think of us as coexisting in within a continuum. So I don't see these as like two polar opposites that are, you know, mutually exclusive, but I see them as necessarily coexisting. I think that many sociologists are motivated to do their work because they see how various inequalities shape all of our experiences. 
And um, we have, I think, generally this shared commitment and people have different comfort levels about how they can use their work towards addressing these issues of inequality. Do they want to sort of indirectly or directly work towards um, eradicating that, you know, them? And so I'll just give you an example. Um, I was testifying at the U.S. Civil Rights Commission on this problem, quote unquote, problem of sex trafficking. And then at the end of my testimony, of everyone's testimony, um, mem members of the commission asked me for my solutions. And I actually told them that I didn't have any solutions and that my role, I mean, because I was, I really actually didn't have any solutions. And, and I sort of saw this as probably the most embarrassing moment of my career. But then after I stepped back, I realized, and this is what I told them. It's like not my job to come up with solutions. Like I'm an academic and my job is to tell you what the problem is and to help you understand the problem. And you guys are the politicians. You're the ones who are supposed to come up with a solution, right? And so then it's interesting. You could say that that experience puts me in between dispassionate empiricism and activism. But I really think it's like the context in which you're operating in that will determine um, how you um, you utilize your research to address issues of inequality. So I think it's really important that we move away from this sort of bipolar co construction of these two and look at them as part of a larger continuum in which we are all committed towards addressing issues of social inequality. Sociologists are concerned about inequality, and we know that a lot of inequality exists in our discipline. Virtually everything we do is suffused with inequality, and some argue unfairness. The teaching we deliver our undergraduates, access to good graduate programs, opportunities to get good faculty jobs, access to research money and platform, and so on. Which inequalities within sociology concern you, and do you have ideas about how to engage it? So this is like a very broad question that I think doesn't just affect sociologists, but affects um, you know people in higher ed in general. And... Um, so in my experience um, in higher education and in various committees that I have been a member of, I mean, I definitely see, um, we've got many problems, but let me just say, you know, there, there is a gender wage gap um, that people have found to be consistent um, between men and, and women. Um, and, you know, it has been said that this wage gap starts um, in the beginning in which you know men will have a slightly higher um, starting offer than women, and that this um, starting offer then is so important because then it follows us, right? So every raise that we have from that point on, unless we have a counter offer, is um, a percentage of that initial salary that we have. And so I think that's just like you know one you know problem, and that of course you know you address that by making sure that people's starting salary is not hugely, you know, different, right? Um, other um, issues is that, um, again, it's an issue of, um, you know, balancing work and family and um, this issue of, you know, childcare and getting time off um, and extending your tenure clock. Studies have repeatedly shown that um, 
women are not benefiting from the extension of their tenure clock, but that men who can use then the same extension of the tenure clock when um, they're, you know, when they um, have a child um, benefit more from this policy. So that's like another issue that we have to, um, that, uh, that affects uh, people in higher education. Um, and, do I have ideas about how to engage it? I think I'm starting by like actually articulating um, the problem and that this is a problem that, um, you know, schools, various schools should continuously address um, when um, they look at um, their, their tenure and promotion uh, process. This has been SocioCast coverage of the 2019 ASA presidential and vice presidential elections. For more, Go to sociocast.org slash ASA2019. Our producer is Lisseth Moreno. I'm Joe Cohen. Thanks for listening.